Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. With the strong rise of Afterpay and ZipPay, along with the recent talk of the Latitude public offering that was withdrawn recently, the interest in the buy now, pay later space has exploded. So is this model of payment really good for consumers? And more importantly, should investors continue to get caught up in the hype? Hello and welcome to this week's Australian Stock Market Report. I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst at Wealth Within, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now in this report, I will investigate the recent failure of the Latitude initial public offering, along with the buy now, pay later space. I'll also look at what's been happening and what I believe will happen in the Australian share market, along with answering your questions. Now, before we move on, thank you for showing your support for our channel and hitting that subscribe button. As you subscribe, remember to click that bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also, tune in to our live Australian stock market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Now, this is a show where you get to ask us, the stock market education and trading experts, to look at your favourite stocks and answer all of your questions. Now, there's no doubt that the buy now, pay later space has been heavily reported on in the media over the past two years, with the overwhelming majority of this news being positive for both investors and consumers alike. But have we really dissected this model to decide if it's in the best interests of consumers? In other words, is this method of payment for goods and services the real deal, or are we being fooled by their clever marketing tactics? Now, I did a little exercise and conducted a quick search around online payment methods. What I found is that I can easily apply for a credit card with a minimum limit of $500 with an interest-free period of up to 55 days. What I also found is that I could get an interest rate on that card as low as 9.89%. Now, when I looked at offers in the buy now, pay later space, I found that merchants such as Afterpay currently require users to repay their purchases fortnightly over four repayments. Sounds pretty simple. Just pay your purchase over eight weeks and there's no cost to you. But if you miss a payment, you will be required to pay some pretty hefty late fees. Now, according to their terms, which is in the fine print most of us will never ever read, for each order below $40, a maximum of one $10 late fee may be applied per order. For each order of $40 or above, the total of the late fees that may be applied are capped at 25% of the original order value or $68, whichever is less. 
The important point for you to note is that the charge is per order, or in other words, every single purchase you make. So in reality, the offer by Afterpay has the potential to end up costing you much more than applying for an interest-free credit card, particularly as it's common knowledge that consumers do not pay their interest-free loans off. Given that the buy now, pay later space has become very attractive for millennials in particular, in my opinion, we are simply creating another generation of people living from paycheck to paycheck and the debt cycle continues into the next generation. In other words, millennials and those who can least afford it are being encouraged to spend rather than save their money for the future. So in essence, they're spending their future. We also need to consider that like any line of credit option, they have the potential to damage the credit score of the consumer and affect their ability to get a loan, with many not really appreciating the downside risks of these facilities. So there are my thoughts on the consumer side of the buy now, pay later area. But what about investors? Is the party well and truly over for companies in this space? Well, in my view, the more these companies grow, the more attention they will attract from the regulators, such as ASIC and the ACCC, which will see the cost of compliance rise, amongst many other things. While I think there's still value in this sector, I believe now is the time to acknowledge that every pot comes to the boil at some point in time. And I believe the buy now, pay later space is getting really close to that point. Looking at the Australian sectors last week, after being the worst sector the prior week, materials rose 2.4% to lead the market. Although this could just be a short-term rise in the sector, so sit tight and wait. Energy has continued its rise with utilities not far behind, as both were up over 2% for the week. Information technology was once again the worst sector falling around 3% for the week, with communication services and consumer staples also weak, down just in the red for the week. Looking at the ASX top 100 stocks, CYBG has continued to rise and ended up nearly 10% up for the week and over 45% over the past three weeks. Once again, I caution investors as this is most likely a false rally given how far the stock has previously fallen. JB Hi-Fi has also continued its strong rise and they were also up nearly 10%. Sydney Airport, ResMed, Oz Minerals and Whitehaven are all looking good and were up over 6% for the week. Cleanaway Waste Management was the worst performer down over 10%. Qantas and Zero also fell with both ending up down just over 4% for the week with Northern Star not far behind. So what do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into our charts for the S&P 500 All Ordinary's Index Update for the week. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks you've chosen for me. Okay, last week was another interesting week on the Australian stock market. It really is holding up so nicely and uh, showing us it's more bullish than bearish and really vindicating a lot of things that I've been chatting about for so long about saying how market is bullish more so than bearish. But I have been wanting it to come down because it does need to come down to go up. And that sounds a little bit strange, but uh, you can't go up a stair until you actually put your foot down on the step 
above where you're at and to, to get that leverage to move up even higher and higher and higher. And really what we need to be doing with our market is putting its foot down on that next step so we can move up through to the target levels that I've got for 2020. But let's get stuck onto the charts. Now, looking at the, uh, on the screen right now, we've got a, a monthly chart of the All Lord News Index. And if I just open that up a little bit so you can see a little bit more about what I'm talking about, you can see here how the all-time high hit up at that area there where we've got back in July, back at that um, six, five, I think six, nine, five, eight points. And since then, it's sort of been drifting sideways and hasn't really pushed right through this level, but this month is looking more bullish. It's uh, started where my pointer is pushed right down and it's come right back up and holding up. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens in November. If we keep seeing this move up, then it will definitely move through that 6944 uh, area and move on to my targets for 2020. So I'm not discounting that this low here back in August was the low I was expecting. It's possible but it was highly unprobable, if that makes sense to you. So let's go to the weekly chart now. This is the one that I show you every single week. Now, as I said, my thinking was it would move up and then come down. But last week, if I just zoom that up, you can see how it opened at this point down, right down here, pushed down a little bit and then came back strongly during the, the rest of the week. So it's at 121 point range, closing at 6841. And that was pretty close to its high for the week. Now that's, to me, that's really, really interesting because we've got this high here at 6844. Um, so, and this one here again, 6843. So just about moving through it. So if we do get a move through this, I might need to start changing my opinion and saying, hey, well, maybe the market has had its low. Um, back here on this bar here back in October. Oh, sorry, not that one, this one right over here. And it came in earlier than I was expecting. And if that's the case, uh, then the market will be bullish. That's it. I'm still not discounting it's going to fall away. And if it does start to fall away, it's going to be short and sharp. Now, you might remember a couple of months ago, I did say that if, if the high for this move down happens early, then the low should happen early, but if the high happens later, um, it, uh, then the low will happen later. So that's still possible that if we do move up a little bit, it comes down into that mid sort of next month in sort of probably by mid-November, possibly the third week of November. But as I said, this was my least preferred theory. Generally, we have two or three theories. You know, if it goes up, it goes down. But if it goes down, where's it going to be? Because predicting the market really is not just about picking any point. It's about saying, well, what's how is it unlikely to unfold? And at what price, time, and pattern in that unfolding. So I always study price, pattern, and time when I'm looking at the market and how's it going to do that. Now, nothing in the market is 100%. It's always going to be your best guess at that time based on knowledge, experience. Most people, when they look at the market, it's not their best guess. It's just any guess because the majority don't study the market properly. They just read newspapers, magazines, as we talked about. And I've done done on a podcast, my Talking Wealth podcast, talking about how people uh, find their information and make their decisions and you can see why people make so many mistakes a lot of people over the last couple of months have been telling me i'm a bit crazy for saying the market is bullish they're thinking it was bearish but right now it still looks bullish um, and so does the dow the dow looks quite nicely as well but have a look at my uh, us market report if you want to see my thoughts on the dow but right now i think the market is in that sort of tipping point where the, if it's going to go up this week then I'm thinking it's probably we may have had our low. The probability as it's rising right now increases the, the, the likelihood that the low happened a few months ago or that uh, way back there on 
how many was it in, in August? Um, and that would be the low that I was expecting, but coming in early. But if it does go down this week, it could be a short, sharp fall over the next one to two weeks. So that's where we're looking at. But let's get into the questions for this week. I've got quite a few, which is fantastic. And thanks for those people sending it in. Now, the first question we got from Lawrence, who says, Hi, Dale, is it possible to have a look at Kogan? What are your thoughts to invest in the medium term? So let's have a look at the chart on the screen now with Kogan on the left. As normal, it's a monthly chart, and on the right, it's a weekly chart. But if I expand that out, you'll see what I'm talking about with the monthly chart on Kogan. Uh, medium term, this has been in a medium term trend for quite some time. You can see that low there back in November last year. It did fall very, very heavily, obviously on news that Amazon was coming all, you know, had landed in Australia and they're worried about Kogan. But it's fed, uh, probably weathered that sort of storm quite well. And as you can see, if we look at our good, our nice little tool on it, it fell very heavily on that X, uh, that speculation, 78.9%. And since then, it's risen quite nicely. Kogan is one of our better retailers, our online retailers. And you can see it's up 168 points. Now, it does still look good, although it, last week it was showing some weakness. And right now, I'd be a little bit more, um, I'm not going to say skeptical but i would also be very careful about entering this stock right now for the medium term um, it does look a little bit weak through here let's go down onto that daily chart and have a quick look here you can see what i mean through here and uh, right now we might see a move back down through into this sort of 646 30 area and uh, if we don't if it starts to move up uh, from here and starts to show us some strength this week and closing higher, then I'd, I'd still say the run would continue to go, but it may only be for the next six months. So just be a little bit careful of Kogan at this point in time. It's run quite well uh, and generally something that's run quite well. People remember it was two, three dollars and now it's getting at six, seven, eight dollars. They're starting to take profits, which could be why it's uh, if showing a little bit of weakness. But thank you very much for the question. Really, really great question. So let's move on to the next question that I've got and it's for, from Thierry and uh, he says, great channel. What are your thoughts on Vanguard's ETF VDHG? Now, there was a lot of conversation going on about this question uh, with between myself and Thien and, and another person on the chat. Now, everybody who's been watching this channel knows my thoughts on ETFs. Now, obviously, this one's an index ETF that promises like high dividend, basically, and that's what it's promising. Now, anything to me that is an index ETF, you're always going to be able to get better returns yourself by buying 10 or 10, 10 stocks in the top 10 or top 20 stocks. And if you've read my book, you'll understand the research that I've done is because you can't beat the market while you are the market. Does that make sense? If you're buying an index ETF, it's trying to match the market. Now, this one's trying to match it with some high dividends. So which means they're using some form of hybrid to actually um, protect or get the exposure to the market, but whilst also, also getting some higher dividend yields. Now, index ETFs really struggle to beat the market. They really, really do. And you can do that yourself. And that's really what I was saying to Thien is read the book and play with it yourself. And what I always say to our students is don't believe what I'm telling you. Don't believe the education. Test it for yourself all of the time. And I say that in my book as well as when I'm teaching you something in my book, test it for yourself and prove to yourself because all, all often, all too often, I find people read an article in a newspaper or a magazine or they see some um, thoughts on a chat forum and then that's their perception of what's going on on that area, but they never ever do the research themselves. And until you do the research yourself, you're never going to know. And what I said to the end was just 
well, all you need to do is go and look at the stocks, read my book, go and look at the stock, and then prove it for yourself. Just look at the top 10 and hold them for the next 12 months and see what happens and what the different return is between those and the Vanguard ETF. Now, if you're somebody who wants to be completely passive and don't want to have anything to do with the market and you just want to buy an ETF, then go and do it. I'm not going to say don't do that. But if you think you're getting diversification from doing that, then you're wrong. Uh, and if you think you're going to get better returns from doing that, then you're also wrong. You need to really do your research yourself. Now, all you need to do is just go back five years, find the top 10 stocks in the Australian stock market, go Google, what are the top 10 stocks on the Australian stock market? Go and look at their prices five years ago and now look at today. Um, and just added up the difference and then go and look at the five-year return on ETFs. Simple, isn't it? Just do the research and you'll work it out yourself. Right now, having a look at the chart, I've just brought the chart up of the ETF on the screen and it's been going sideways for the last few months here. So it's really been going sideways since June and the market hasn't been doing that, has it? The market's been going, its high was in July. So it really hasn't tracked the market. It does look it's going to be a little bit more bullish, but this is where you're seeing this doesn't look like our Australian stock market, does it? So you're seeing they're not performing the same way as our ASX does. But great question, Thien, and, and really, you know, you, I know you're a beginner and I know you're just getting into the market, but it doesn't uh, discount that you do need to educate yourself and whether that's reading my book or other books, actually find out what the reality is and just don't follow everybody else. Because it's one of those behavioral finance subjects and it basically it's called herd mentality. If you do what everybody else does, that's exactly what you're going to get. And as we know from the ASX shareholder survey and other research is most people don't get very good returns um, and they actually take higher risk and they gamble with their money a hell of a lot more. So it does pay to educate yourself. That's the best investment that you're ever going to make. Let's move on to the next question. This one's from Simon Moon. He goes, um, I hope people will start selling overbought sales and begin buying oversold ones. I think what Simon means is um, start selling overbought stocks um, and begin buying oversold ones. The problem with that, Simon Mady, is most people can't do that. They have no idea. They understand the concept of oversold and overbought, but they don't know how to work that out properly. And some people use things like um, indicators such as MACDs and those sorts of indicators saying this is overbought and those oversold. For those of you who know me uh, well enough, you know I don't use any of those indicators because I find those sorts of indicators are wrong a lot of the time. And I see stocks that are overbought continue to rise from weeks, months and sometimes years whilst they're in the overbought area and, and oversold ones continue to do the opposite, um, keep falling in the oversold area for weeks, months and years. So, but, uh, but again, it's just normal market. You're never gonna stop that. The majority of people don't want to understand, or sorry, they, they understand a little bit on a surface level and they wanna understand that little bit, but they don't really understand. And as I teach traders, there's a vast difference between knowledge and understanding. Most people have some knowledge, but they don't have understanding of how the market really, really works. But Simon's also asked SDA, says SDA looks cheap and Galaxy as well, or GXY. So let's have a look at those two stocks, SDA and Galaxy. Now I'll just click on um, SDA. So this is Speedcast International. Looks terrible, looks crap, mate. It really does. Um, it's going down monthly, it's terrible in terms of its price range. So it's, it's saying it looks cheap. Never ever buy a stock cause it looks cheap. And that's one thing I say to people, that's down. That was down around 90%. Now I'm not saying it's not gonna go up, but never buy stock because it's cheap. 
uh, or perceived being cheap or perceived being oversold. Uh, until it tells you it's strong, you shouldn't buy it. And right now, uh, this is not a stock I'd be looking at. And right now, it doesn't really show me on a weekly or a monthly chart that it's good at this point in time because I would rather I'd rather buy it at two dollars which is more than double the price it is now and know it's going up because there's huge upside potential if it does do that right now that doesn't look like it's got uh, it's it's finding some support uh, but it is possible over the coming weeks and a month and you might have a look at this in two months time and go wow it's looking good now but at least you've not been in it for two months if that's uh, if that's um, makes sense to you Galaxy, same sort of thing. Have a look at that. Galaxy Resources, just CRAP. It really does look terrible uh, and a very, very strongly bearish bar through here and uh, it's always completely downtrending. You need to read my book, Simon Mady, because it would keep you right out of these stocks at this point in time. This Anything under these two stocks would be pure speculation, buying them thing, and people buy them thinking, well, like, they're cheap and I think they'll go up because their, their fundamentals are changing or whatever else. Right now they're going down and uh, any six-year-old will be able to tell you that. They're just going down. Just look at the chart. So look at what's there, not what's not there. That's what I'm saying. And when I teach traders, it's about trading on confirmation, not speculation. Confirmation means confirming it's going up, not thinking it might go up or hoping it might go up. It's got to be going up. Um, and so do that. But fantastic questions, matey, and, and thank you for, for, for uh, supplying the question. The next one we got is from Frederick, and Frederick says, entered a long position on RWC at $4.21. Um, rationale for the entry was a breakout above resistance of a five-week sideways consolidation. Um, yeah, I'll have a look at that. He bought that on the 16th of October, um, which also coincided with a break above a long-term downtrend line from the peak, um, blah, 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 I'll to that. He said, I'm using a stop at $3.81, which sits just underneath the low of the consolidation. In your opinion, was the rationale for entry uh, sufficient for a safe trade? and is the position of the stop a logical one? There's two answers to that question. Um, those are the sorts of questions I really get into with our students. When I'm mentoring our students, students, I do that. I'll go into all that, how, why you bought it, how you bought it, what your strategy was, your, your entries, your exit, your stop losses, how your analysis and everything else. I won't do that on YouTube. That's it's, this is a free service, and so I'm not going to go into whether your strategy is good or bad. I'm just going to have a bit of a look at the stock, and that's really all I'm going to do for you. Um, if you want me to do that sort of service, then consider doing our diploma course, and you'll get myself and my team to do that. And I'm sure you appreciate free service. I'm not really going to give you the bees knees or the guts nuts of everything that we do, basically. So let's have a look at um, Reliance Worldwide Corporation. Now he said he bought it there at 421. So this is the sideways consolidation that he was talking about. He bought it at 421. So he bought it right up here um, on this bar and he's got a stop loss below, I believe he's saying that low at $3.80. Uh, below that low of $3.84. Right now, this stock, um, it's, look, yeah, it's going up a little bit. Uh, it's probably not super, super strong. Um, it's coming up from that low of $3.09 in August. It's been up nicely. The monthly chart is looking very uh, bullish, sorry, uh, is looking a lot more bullish being up for the last couple of months. So I'm not against where you bought it. So that's not an issue to me. I think um, it's looking all right. Um, it's closing this sort of gap, but whether it's long-term bullish, that's where I'm not 
I'm really not sure whether that's the case at this point in time, but it is looking a lot much, uh, much better. Would I call that uh, resistance? No. Most people, uh, what I find a lot of people know support and resistance, and pretty much everybody knows support and resistance. And that's why the, that's the weakest thing that you're ever going to use as a buy and sell rule is support and resistance because every broker out there, every fund manager out there, and every big trader out there knows that that's what people that don't have a lot of knowledge and experience do. You need to use other rules to protect yourself as well because the big end of town push things through support and resistance levels. Right now, this thing looks like it's gonna move a bit further forward or further up, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it came the other way as well and came right back into that support or resistance level. So just be careful, matey, um, and uh, hopefully you make some good money out of it and uh, make sure you keep your stop loss um, nice and, and in the basically in the right spots. And just putting it under last low is not necessarily the right spot in my mind. So, but let's move on to the next one. This one's from Jatton and Jatton says, as always, um, a highly informational video. Thanks matey, um, great work. Can you please give me your thoughts on ASX Coles? Um, I'm trying to find a reliable company with decent dividend yield, putting my dollars in for two years. So um, there's a lot of reliable companies with diff, diff, decent dividend yields, maybe there's a truckload of them. Um, but um, one question I asked him was why two years? A lot of people put time frames on things, whereas I don't. Pretty much all I do is if it's going up, I keep it. If it's going down, I get rid of it. It's pretty simple as that. You don't need to be too much more of a genius to figure out while it's going up, hold it. Uh, so two years, sometimes people put time frames on it, like I wanna buy a house, I have a house deposit in two years, so that's all I'm gonna do. But uh, really, don't put your time frames on the stocks, but he said your advice would be helpful. Um, when I, I did ask him a question about uh, why two years, etc., and he comes back as uh, Coles Group have a decent dividend, plus they're trading now as separate identity. Well, that's okay. Um, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go up. And I believe they have potential for capital gain. Every stock has potential for capital gain, matey. It doesn't tell me why it's going to have the gain. Uh, and that's really what you're not telling me here. That's why, that's what my thinking is. Um, please let me know how I'm going. So let's have a look at Coles. Um, and I'll just bring that up. So all of that is pretty illogical to me, if that makes sense from a trader's point of view, where you're speculating. There's no hard and solid facts that this thing is going up. Right now it's looking all right. And as we, we looked at this on our live show last week, on the last Tuesday, and you can see it was up 48 or 40, sorry, 40.38%. 40 um, currently up about 34% since this low back in February. But I would suggest it's probably going to come down a little bit um, and come, because as I was saying earlier, uh, the market needs to come down before it goes up. Right now, it's looking a little bit more toppy here, and it may come down a little bit um, over the next few weeks or few months, it may do that, but it, it's it's a good stock. Coles is a very good stock, and I do agree with you, it is a very good stock. Uh, and maybe now it's not part of um, another group, then it may do even better. But there's a whole lot of things that concern me about Coles from a fundamental perspective, um, obviously a competition perspective. So really at this point in time, you need to understand a little bit more about it before you enter into the stocks. But uh, but that's it for my questions for the week. So thanks for sending in your questions. It's really good. And it allows me to have a bit of a discussion around multiple things and get understanding or thinking. But so do uh, very much thank you for sending in and thanks for watching until we end of the video. Um, now, if you have any questions, like me to answer just stick them below and i'll answer them so get your fingers out get on the keyboard and get typing and remember that uh, here on this channel we do these monday monday market reports every single week and we also do a live stream 
every Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. So get onto our live stream tomorrow night. Um, so hit that subscribe button now and click that bell on the right of it so that you get to know when we upload our videos and when they go live. I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.